back to South Florida. Everyone's going to get a picture with the greatest. Lionel Messi grew up imagining he'd be wearing that red and black kit. He has it at times, but especially as a youngster, but tonight in the pink against his boyhood club in a 1-1 draw in the final preseason match of 2024 for Inter-Miami. Football Americas, live and underway here on ESPN alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar for episode 329, where we're celebrating the merciful end, Herc, of Inter-Miami's preseason tour. Look at that. Lionel Messi has fans everywhere. What do you know? Did they win? I didn't, I didn't catch that one. Did they win again? Did they win that one? They did Bueller. not. Bueller. It was a 1-1 uh, draw there. So uh, another game this preseason where Inter-Miami oh. and Messi did not come out on top. Playing away games is always difficult. Uh, it wasn't an away game. Okay. I'm trying okay. here, Sev. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> uh, special day here in the Football Americas family, Herc. It's February 19th, the day my son was born in 2023. Hey! That's right. A year ago tonight, I was about... Uh, 30 minutes from becoming a father. How about that? Feliz a year later. Cumple Rafa. Hats right. off to Rafa, year with you. I know. He survived. <laughs> he made it. Here you are going on uh, three or four. So congratulations you... to you as well. We're going a lot more than that, my man. I know. I know. I know. I like to think it's been shorter, though. All right. Lots coming up on this edition of Football Americas. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by Marciano Vink. Uh, he's a former player in the Eredivisie. He's going to join us to talk about PSV, their showdown in the Champions League against Dortmund, and, of course, the three Americans and the one Mexican who are uh, having a big role for them in the Dutch top flight. We are going to be talking about the latest on Open Cup, Herc. There's been a lot of drama uh, around that tournament we know for the last couple months. We're also looking ahead to the start of the MLS regular season because, hello, it starts in about 48 hours. And starting in about 24 hours, Herc, it's a CONCACAF. W Gold Cup. We now have the field set, so we know who the U.S. will open up against Tuesday in Los Angeles. But let's start with a run it back from the weekend, which will feature many Americans abroad doing great things. A very productive weekend. We'll start in Syria. Christian Pulisic, who snapped his dry spell and in quite some style, a goal and an assist coming on as a halftime sub, Herc, as AC Milan lost 4-2 to Monza. Yeah, didn't start, got rested. 0-2 down at halftime, comes on. An assist, look at a little flick, and then watch this left-footed blast. Hang this, you know where. Look at that. Look at that angle. Look at the hit. Look at the curve. On the weaker foot, the so-called weaker foot. He's back. He's back. The goal, his seventh so far on the Serie A season. The assist, his sixth in league play. For Christian Pulisic. To the championship where Josh Sargent scored twice hurt for Nord City in their 4-1 win over Cardiff City on Saturday. They were goals number 9 and 10 for Sargent this season. Oh no, what kind of goalkeeping is that? I mean, what kind? No, wait, I know that guy. I know that guy. Never mind. That's a good one right there. Watch this one, Seb. This one's better right here. Forget about the finish, the initial finish. He stays with it, maybe fortuitous right there, but wraps his leg around that, gets the brace. It's not an easy finish. It's a resourceful one, and that's his second. Goal in four straight league games for Josh Sargent. To the Bundesliga, we can find Brendan Aronson got his first club goal hurt in 19 months, and it was a big one as Union Berlin won 1-0 over Hoffenheim Saturday. Oh, no, Materazzo's not liking that one. Listen, this is what he does best. He is active. He stays with the play. He's had a uh, run of bad form, bad luck. This was not bad finishing. Way to stay with it and finishes it off. First one in 19 months. I bet that felt good. Big moment for the 23-year-old, of course, on loan from Leeds. Union up to 13th in the table as they're hoping to avoid a relegation fight. All right, so we got some good choices here, Herc, but who among the American goal scorers do you think had the best weekend? All right, it's very easy to just throw Christian Pulisic out there and no <laughs> doubt had a very good weekend, uh, assist and a goal, but only one man here scored two goals. Only one man here has been on a tear since he came back into hell Came back into fitness, and that's Josh Sargent. Uh, that would be, by the way, 10 goals in 14 games. Except 10 goals in 14 games. Limited time. This man would be fighting for the golden boot in the championship if it wasn't for the 20 games he missed earlier this season, season with an injury. The golden boot lead right now is at 17. He would run away with this right now. 
Nobody is taking Christian Pulisic's place. Brendan Aronson, with all due respect, uh, he's still going to be there even though he wasn't playing well. He still would have gotten called in. Hmm. This man right here, this man right here, there seems to be controversy in the nine position. When your boy said he was the most talented nine, oh no, hell froze over. Out of the woodworks will come the trolls. Out of the woodworks come Sebi Salazar. What about Valorant Balogun? Okay, mm -hmm. what about Ricardo Pepe? And yet there's one constant. The guy plays, the guy starts, the guy scores. And here we are, all of a sudden, heading into the summer. Not just Nations League, but Copa America, which for me, if you are a player on Copa America, that means you're a player at the World Cup. It's a dry run for the World Cup. People are now seriously taking into consideration Josh Sargent and who else? This right here is why he had the best week and because he continues to do it and he continues to insert himself into your brain, into your mind as a player that needs to be there. Yeah, the productivity is off the charts. Just since he came back, he's got seven goals, Herc, uh, in his last nine games in the championship, really lighting it up. He's going to make Greg Berhalter have a decision. He might also make Norwich have a decision, right? He keeps scoring like this. If they don't go up, and right now they're very much in the, in the fight for promotion playoff, maybe he gets a move uh, to the Premier League. It's also a good weekend for Josh Sargent, Herc, because of what the other guys didn't do. You mentioned Falaren Balligan. He did get a start, finally back in the starting lineup for Monaco in league play. But what happened? He didn't score. He didn't get an assist. They lose the game. And by the way, when they're down late, he was subbed off. That's the last thing I think you want if you're a striker. And Ricardo Pepe, on the other hand, he gets a start, Herc. But PSV's got him out on, like, the left yeah. wing now. Yeah. So, I mean, Josh Sargent, when you talk about that American striker pecking order, um, he's, he's pretty clearly at the top right now with only three weeks to go to the Nations League. I don't think he's clearly at the top, but it's not as cut as dry as Flo's mm. number one. On form. On form, oh, he's clearly on at the top. On form, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But listen, you're in that camp. You think Fowler and Balogun is, is undeniably the U.S. men's national team number one, despite since he joined the U.S. men's national team, not proving it with the U.S. men's national team, mm -hmm. and not proving it with this club. And, and you mentioned him finally getting to start not playing. Well, I believe he's also at fault for one of the goals that – uh, AS Monaco uh, gave up, so it's, 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 yeah, and as producer Beto just whispered in the ear right now, a 3 out of 10 player rating in L'Equipe, I think, believe that's a, uh, mm -hmm. where they did the rating, so he's not had a good go of it, and, and listen, every striker is going to have these moments, Josh Sargent went through his, and there's a, there's a camp out there, there's a sector of fans out there that would love to remind you that Josh Sargent's never done anything with the U.S. men's national team when he was clearly the best nine, clearly the best forward at the World Cup, and since 2021, has only, by the way, played four games. Mm. Like, people forget how little this man was used. And a lot of that is injury history, okay? But sometimes it's the coach going with other players, the coach deciding that he's not his man as of yet. But when he's been healthy, there have been few Americans who are better. All right, so you've gone Josh Sargent for your best weekend. I'm going to go Christian Pulisic because I don't know what more you can ask of somebody coming off the bench. This guy got 45 minutes of playing time. He gets a goal and an assist. And even though the team loses, it's a good message, a good reminder for Stefano Pioli. Now, he didn't bench Pulisic here. We talked about it last week on the show. is coming back from AFCON. He's going to need to get some minutes. Pulisic gets a break here, but they lose the game. So Pioli's thinking, man, the next time I need to get Christian Pulisic a rest, maybe I can't afford to do so. That's how good he is. Also, Herc, we've been talking about the slump, right? His last goal before this was December 30th. His last assist before this in league play was January 7th. For him to bet both a goal and an assist here, for me, is absolutely massive. And the goal, man, the goal was a thing of beauty. I didn't know that he had that in his bag. I mean, you've seen it on the left wing side, cutting in on that right foot. We saw he, in the game against Germany. I mean, what a golazo he scored there. But if he has this in his bag now, coming in from the right side onto his left, He's going to light up Serie A for the rest of the season. And you can bet, Herc, going up against CONCACAF in Nations League, whoever he goes up against Copa America, he's going to light them up too. In this form, the way he played in those 45 minutes, Herc, look out for Christian Pulisic against CONCACAF competition. Yikes. He was good. And this is why I was telling you I wasn't worried because the opportunities were there. He just wasn't putting them away or they weren't being put away by others when he was supplying them. 
But as long as you're there, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's playing, and as long as he's playing well, because he was playing well when he wasn't scoring. He was playing well when he wasn't assisting. He was a man of trust, of confidence for Stefano Pioli. So, yes, uh, it was Giroud, it was Rafa Leao, and it was Christian Pulisic who did not start. They all got the rest. But I think it became very evident, the drop-off from them and the rest of those players when they're not there. So Pioli right now lost massive points in a game that would have put them second place, firmly in second place in Serie A. I think he realizes now you've got to ride with the players that you have in Giroud and Rafalao and Pulisic. That trio, as good as any trio in Serie A. And right now, Christian Pulisic, I mean, we're talking about a slump. Still top five in goals and assists mm-hmm. in Serie A. Take that for a slump. Her quickly, I don't want to go without mentioning at least Brendan Aronson here. Obviously, a, a massive goal for him given the moment that he was uh, happening or having at Union Berlin. What's interesting is I don't know if you saw the tweet from Derek Ray earlier today who was translating some comments from the Union Berlin sporting director. This is after Brendan Aronson got the game-winning goal for them, and he's questioning basically his physicality, and it's not the first time that it's happened. So Brendan Aronson may not even be loved at Union Berlin, but we got some love for him here. And I don't know that I agree with you 100%. I think that goal is massive because there's a lot of competition in those wide spots, and he was not playing well. I think this is a big goal given the timing. Yeah, all all I do is I I play the man. I play Greg Berhalter, and Greg Berhalter continues to call in Brendan Aronson, and Brendan Aronson continues to be of confidence Mm -hmm. for Greg Berhalter, so I don't see that changing anytime soon. There you have it, uh, Brendan Aronson with the uh, game-winning goal for Union Berlin uh, over the weekend. All right, you can watch a lot of these guys right here on ESPN Plus Saturday in the championship. It's Josh Sargent looking to keep that hot streak going. Norwich City away to Blackburn. Coverage starts 10 a.m. Eastern time here on ESPN Plus. The running backs continue here on Football Americas and Hercules with a quick trip over to Belgium. Griffin Yao with the goal is Westerloo beat Standard Liège one nothing on Friday. All right, uh, who? Who did you say? Who, who is this? This Griffin Yao, yeah, ex DC United. Griffin Yao. Ah, yeah. there we go. Uh, listen, if you've not heard of him, pay attention. The man's been on a tear, and what a golazo gave him the hips. Keeper never had a chance. His sixth of the season. I believe Brian Reynolds also played 90 minutes in this match. Westerloo right now 10th in the Belgian table. Meanwhile, in the Premier League, Fulham. 2-1 losers against Aston Villa on Saturday. But Jedi Robinson got an assist in the game, Her. He's been one of the more consistent performers. We'll call it an assist. He kept the play alive. That's all you need to do. Patton it, driving down the left-hand side, gets involved. And, yeah, he'll take that one. Fifth assist of the season for Robinson. He started this game. So did Tim Ream, who came off in the 76th minute against Fulham, losing 2-1 to Aston Villa. They're 12th right now in the Premier League. What about the air of Izzy? That's where we find Malik Tillman doing Malik Tillman things. An assist for PSV as they beat Heracles 2-0 on Friday. Yeah, if you had on the bingo board Malik Tillman career year in the Eredivisie, uh, raise your hand. That would be me raising my hand mm-hmm. right there. Continue to do what he does. One of the more consistent performers in the CONCACAF PSV team. There you go. Four assists on the season to go along with five goals in league play for Tillman. Been a good season for him. Been a great season for PSV. There you see it. Ten points clear of the defending champions. Feyenoord right now and PSV undefeated through those 22 games in league play. For more on the Eredivisie, we welcome into the show Marciano Vink. He's now our colleague via ESPN Netherlands, but before that played at both Ajax and PSV. So he's the perfect person to discuss the U.S. and Mexico internationals that are playing their trade right now over in the Dutch top flight. Marciano, great to have you with us. Let's dive right in on this PSV team. It's been an amazing season. How surprised are you to see what they've done already 22 games into the year and they're 10 points clear of second place? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised because, you know, they brought in at the start of the season a lot of experienced players, but also players who never played with each other. Uh, they brought in a new head coach and um, he made a, an excellent mix of youngsters young talented players and also experienced players and um their aggressive type of uh, play is like really catching on and um within a couple of matches you could also see you know where where this was going and um well they're dominating the league and they're cruising towards the the championship and the players they brought in the experienced players 
they are doing extremely well. So, you know, he brought in Lang, Lozano, uh, Tillman, uh, Yedi Schouten from Bologna. And those are really, really quality players. So, um, in a way, with an, a, a coach, a head coach, Peter Boss, uh, who is like, you know, he loves to play, play with a lot of pressure, putting pressure on the opponent. And um, I think the quality, the coach, and the type of uh, the style of play they they have is like a little bit too much for the Dutch league. You know they don't have any competitors. You see the the former champion final is already on ten points. So um, what I already said, they're cruising towards the championship, and they can relax players, they can bench players. You know they're doing extremely extremely well. Marcelo, I'm curious what the reaction was when Ernie Stewart, who is an ex-U.S. men's national team international, comes in as a sporting director and brings in more Americans, more U.S. men's national team players like Malik Tillman, like Serginho Des, like Ricardo Pepe, and then brings back a Mexican international, Chucky Lozano. You got a little CONCACAF all-star team. What was the reaction from people? Were they skeptical? No, uh, they already knew uh, Stewart. You know, he worked here before. He did well in, uh, in the U.S., and um, whenever you bring in quality players and the players you bring in, they perform as well. So there's no complaints and no skepticism uh, uh, towards uh, uh, Ernest Stewart because he's um, a type of manager, you know, when you bring him in, you know you're bringing in quality. You know you're bringing, uh, bringing in experience. He has his connections in the U.S. He has his connection in the Latin countries. So in a way, maybe on forehand you could say it might be a success, but you always have to wait how things gel, how things uh, will mix. And in his, in his luck, everything went, uh, went really well so far. So in Holland, there's no uh, criticism about PSV. Everything is like positive. Everybody's <laughs> smiling. In Eindhoven, they're walking with the chest uh, in front, you know. So they're really confident in, uh, in what they're doing at the moment. And the confidence, you know, it shows on the pitch, but also in the board, also with Ernie Stewart. It's all, everything is really quiet, you know, there's no um, criticism at all. So PSV flying as far as the league is concerned, but what about Champions League? we got the first leg against Dortmund Tuesday in Eindhoven. I think most people would look at PSV and say they're the underdog. Marciano, I want you yeah. wonder what you think of the matchup and PSV's chances here against, uh, against Borussia Dortmund. No. Yeah, normally I would say PSV is the underdog because the Dutch league, you can't compare it with the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga, you, you know, every match is like a final. Um, but PSV has done really well in their uh, Champions League campaign so far. They played extremely well in, in away games. And I do believe that the type of uh, play uh, PSV has you know, with putting pressure on the back line and, and the problems Borussia Dortmund has with uh, building up play, you know, from the back, it's, um, it will be a 50-50 match this time. I do believe, honestly, that PSV has, has to have the advantage from the home game, you know, they have to win at home and, you know, then Dortmund has to come in the, in the away match, in the second leg. They have to come because they have to score. And that will open up the gaps for their extremely dangerous wingers. You know, with Bakayoko on the right-hand side, Los Chucky Lozano on the left-hand side, and the, the top scorer of the league at the moment, uh, Luc de Jong. So, uh, PSV, in attacking-wise, is extremely uh, strong. In defense, there are some doubts, you know, with uh, Ramalho in the back, but he's doing he's doing pretty well at the moment. You know, there was a lot of uh, critics about his play, about his ability to uh, turn, his quickness. But um, during the season, he's getting better. It might be because of the coach, you know, gives him the tools to become a better player. But... Um, yeah, Dortmund is a dangerous, a dangerous team. You know, up front they have like uh, Bino Gittens, they have Malen, they they brought in Essentio. Of course, Reus is still there, and it's a dangerous team. But I do believe that PSV Eindhoven has a chance.
Since you mentioned Chucky Lozano, and since you mentioned criticism, I want to bring up some comments here from one of both of our colleagues, because he works for uh, ESPN. That's uh, Kenneth Perez over at uh, ESPN Netherlands. This is what he had to say about Chucky Lozano. PSV really have a lot of individual quality, except Lozano. I don't know what he is doing in the last four or five games. He looks like an amateur footballer. Then Kenneth comes back around. He says, it's crazy because I'm quite a fan of Lozano. Uh, Marciano, what do you think of Chucky Lozano's season so far and maybe the role that he might play uh, in this series against Dortmund? First of all, in defense of uh, Kenneth Perez, I, I was in the studio at the time. Um, I think it's a little bit exaggerated. You know, he expects more from Lozano. We all did. And I do believe that most of all, uh, Chucky Lozano expects more from himself. Um, he came in, he was really eager and hungry to show everybody, you know, that he's the, still the same player as when he left PSV Eindhoven a couple of years ago. But um, sometimes when you're trying too hard, things don't go your way. And he's now at the point where he's contributing to the team, he's working hard, um, he's putting pressure on his opponents, he has a a good um, um, yeah, feeling with uh, Sergino Dest, who's playing behind him as a left fullback. Um, so it's okay, but because it's Chucky Lozano, we in Holland expect more from him. He's now on five goals and two assists. It's not enough. I can't say he's playing really bad, and I definitely can't say he's playing like an amateur. But uh, we expect more from him. And I think, you know, knowing Chucky Lozano, you know, he expects more from himself. Marcelo, I got to ask you about another player that many probably expected more from in his career so far, which is Serginho Des, who's been having a great year at PSV. What's in his future? Do you see a jump in level in his future? Does he need to leave PSV to a higher level? Well, I, I do believe he's now at the right spot, you know, the right place. Uh, PSV Eindhoven is a really familiar uh, club. You know, everything is really at ease. Uh, he's playing extremely well. He's playing more like a left winger than a left back. Um, he's doing well also in the, the European matches. We all know Sergio Des, he is highly technical. He has already four assists this season. He has a good connection with Luke de Jong as a striker. So um, I think he's in a good way. I think if uh, PSV Eindhoven will uh, offer him a good contract, he might consider staying. But as we all know, football players and contracts and, you know, going to the Premier League or going to La Liga, you know, it's it it it's the the hunger to play with maybe better players, maybe on a higher level level might be there. But I do believe just play for two more years or one or two more years with PSV Eindhoven, and I think he will raise his level and and maybe he can make the next step. Coming from Barcelona on a on a rough period, you know, coming to PSV Eindhoven getting back into the groove. And honestly, he's a very important player for PSV Eindhoven, especially in the build-up and also going forward. So he's in a good place right now. And my advice would be just stay for another year, sign a contract with PSV Eindhoven and then make another move to maybe the higher level. What about a player like Ricardo Pepe? So obviously big money spent to bring this player in, but Luke de Jong, not just a club <laughs> legend, but scoring goals like it's going out of style. Uh, what yeah. do you think of Ricardo Pepe as a player, and what do they say around PSV about him? Are they are they okay with where he is right now, given the fact that they've got somebody else scoring the goals and he's very young, there's a yeah. big future ahead of him? Yeah, it's, it's quite uh, unlucky for uh, Ricardo Pepe because he did extremely well with, um, with uh, FC Groningen. And because of that, PSV bought him for the future. But um, coming from the bench, he's scoring every time. Last uh, Friday, he got the opportunity to play together with Luke de Jong. That experience didn't go too well. Um, he's a central striker. He can't play from the left-hand side. But um, 
Luc de Jong doesn't have eternal life. So um, for Ricardo Pepe, it's good to make progress, to make steps, to learn from training. He is in good hands with uh, Peter Bos. Uh, so um, I think we will hear next year, next season. And also this year, he is important coming from the bench. He already um, scored a perfect goal against Sevilla. And um, he has his contribution. Luke de Jong is, is, is from another level, you know, playing for many years in Spain. He's now uh, scoring probably every match. He's doing pretty well in, in Holland and he's the captain of the team, a very important player also uh, within the group. So it's, it's, it's really tough for Pepe, but um, seeing his quality and his eagerness to score I think next year he will will next year or maybe the year after will be his year because um, he's learning also a lot from training and just playing with better players. So um, I, I I wouldn't rush anything, you know. Um, he's he's doing fine and it's it's going well. All right, Marciano, thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate you staying up late with us. And trust me, we will be coming back to you soon because there's nothing, if not Americans, Mexicans, and all sorts of players from CONCACAF over there in the Eredivisie. We appreciate it very much. We'll talk to you soon. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thank you. All right, Herc, one more bit of news from the Eredivisie. Edson Alvarez back in Amsterdam this weekend and being honored by his former club, Ajax. Pretty cool, no? That's very cool. Uh, Especially for a historic team like Ajax, for a player in CONCACAF to go there, be recognized like that, to mean something like that to the people of Ajax in that legendary club. Very cool for Edson Alves. Well deserved. Won two league titles and a Dutch Cup in his four years at Ajax. Some good business for the club as well. They paid Club America about $15 million for him in 2019. Sold him for about $38 million to West Ham four years later. Ajax well behind the league leaders in Holland, that of course, PSV. They're in action this weekend away against Vole. That's Saturday here on ESPN Plus. Coverage starts 2 p.m. Eastern time. Kirk, let's move to a story that's been brewing for months. Major League Soccer is reportedly still looking for a way out, either partially or entirely, from the U.S. Open Cup, first reported by Michael Batista over at HudsonRiverBlue.com who reported that U.S. soccer is being, quote, held hostage by MLS, and that as of Friday, MLS teams would not be participating in the tournament. Tournament, excuse me. Uh, R. Jeff Carlisle reporting today that Arthur Matson, who's the chairman of U.S. soccer's Open Cup committee, has resigned after he said he was asked to stand down by higher-ups, claiming that the tournament is in grave danger. We have some late-breaking news tonight. U.S. soccer uh, will apparently be having a tournament in 2024. We don't know the format, and we don't know who will participate, but there definitely will be, Herc, an Open Cup this year. At least that's what we're being told. A penny for your thoughts on the latest in this saga. Where do we, where do we start? Um, this very show told the audience right before the New Year, I believe it was the 19th, 18th, 20th of December, about this. We did a whole segment about it. Seb, you had a very good rant where you actually <laughs> asked the U.S. Soccer Federation to strip Major League Soccer of their D1 status. And many people scoffed. Many people were like, Sebi, where was the outrage when Copa Mekis was abolished and this happened? Which are not apples to oranges. That's a first division, second division tournament that was closed off to amateur, to third divisions, to et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it wasn't against their bylaws or, or their rules. So... Uh, Many people scoff, and here we are, and many people are, are actually wondering if that could happen. And the mm. reason probably MLS doesn't just say the hell with it is because that can happen. I think it's unfortunate. I think what we're seeing here is a money struggle, and it coincides with Messi. Messi is the death of the U.S. Open Cup, and it's a shame that they're using a player like Messi, his likeness, mm. And everything goes with it as a bargaining chip. What essentially happens here is Messi comes to League Cup, League's Cup, it's more valuable. Messi comes to MLS, it's more valuable. What's the one thing that Major League Soccer didn't have control of when it came to marketing Messi? 
That was the U.S. Open Cup when mm-hmm. they played Cincinnati. You remember that? And when they played mm-hmm. Houston. That's on the U.S. Soccer Federation. So they go off and they sell those TV rights. They go off and they do the marketing for this. They don't want to grow the game in the right way. They want to grow the game in their way. And what I mean by that is Don Garber, who is a shield for the owners, he's not the all-evil one. He's a shield for the owners. He's Roger Goodell. Okay, He's a shield for the owners. He's, he is their Bolsero, their mouthpiece for the owners. He doesn't make up these rules as he goes. It's the owners. He said, what has happened over time is the tournament has not been resonated enough with fans and commercial partners and sponsors and certainly media partners in the way to justify the level of participation to be acquired from us in the past. Why are they holding or how are they holding U.S. soccer or the Lamar Hunt U.S. Uh, Open hostage is saying we won't participate with our teams or our player, Messi, Unless we get, what, more concessions. And we've heard reports of the split they wanted, the 60-40 split they wanted for having Major League Soccer teams go to these lower plazas, these USL sides, and play a game there. They wanted more of the gate. They wanted more of the split. It's all about money. So it saddens me that with little history that U.S. soccer actually has, with the little history that they have, a tournament that has rich history over 100 years, and their final... Their final is the equivalent, if not more, financially of MLS Cup. And winning that final gets you the exact same thing as MLS Cup, which would be the CONCACAF Champions Cup and potential Club World Cup. But in seven games, instead of a whole season, they they would cheapen it this way and force the most diehard of fans to say, God, I have to rethink this. So now, today, MLS is turning away its own fans, it's in a fight with its own referees, and it's in a fight right now with the media for a tournament that they could easily say, do what you want with. Mm. Play who you want, whether it be the reserve players, et cetera, et cetera, but participate because that's what you should do. That's what you have to do. I want to address something you mentioned off the top, my uh, discussion about Division I sanctioning, right, and what U.S. soccer can and cannot do with that. Uh, Here's the reality. I don't know why MLS is at the bargaining table here, if not for their fear over what the U.S. Soccer Federation could do because MLS is breaking a rule here, right? MLS clearly, Herc, to your point, seems to want out of this tournament. And so I don't think U.S. soccer is dangling that out there. I don't think anybody in American soccer wants to see MLS lose its Division I sanction. I mean, we would spend the next decade in the courtrooms. It would be horrible for American soccer. But it's the only thing that U.S. soccer can kind of at this point hold on to and say, well, wait a second, MLS. You can't just walk out on this tournament. Um, So I think, Kirk, when people see something like this pop up, they expect for us to break out the flamethrowers here on Football Americas, right? Because, one, it's kind of what we do. And, two, we're really the only people in this space that will do that, right, that seem to have a flamethrower in our bag. Um, I'm not going to break the flamethrower out here, which is, I know, against my M.O., because I don't think it's the moment. We're at a crossroads. But I think you break out the flamethrower, Herc, once the wrong has been committed. And you can look back and you say, this was this person's fault, this was that person's fault, and we need to blame and name them. The wrong has not been committed yet, right? We're still in a negotiation here. So instead of breaking out the flamethrower, I think we should pick up two other tools. One is a magnifying glass, and the other's an olive branch. Now, the olive branch I'll leave for later because I don't really know how to use it, but I'll try and figure it out in the next couple <laughs> minutes. The magnifying glass here, Herc, is important because we need to know what's happening, how it's happening, and who at the end of the day is going to make this decision, right? So we've heard a lot about the U.S. Open Cup Committee. And I mentioned the name Arthur Matson, who just resigned. That U.S. Open Cup Committee is not who is making this decision. Now, It's a fair question that we ask why they're not making this decision and why the chairman of that decided to step down after he was, according to him, what he told our Jeff Carlisle, feeling pressure from above to step away from this process. Okay, so we need to understand that if it's not the Open Cup Committee, Herc, who really is in charge? And what we found out, what I found out today is it's a subcommittee, a subcommittee named by the board of directors. Now, publicly, We don't really know who the names are on this subcommittee, which is dangerous, 
right? But we do know that there's some key players in the Federation who are definitely involved in this, okay? The CEO, J.T. Batson, and the president, Cindy Parlo-Cohn. So this is the magnifying glass on those two people in particular. We know that you have it within your power to say no to MLS. To say to MLS, you must entirely participate in the Open Cup. And that is what you should do. You should not acquiesce to Major League Soccer, even though you promised everybody an Open Cup. To say to MLS, we'll proceed with the Open Cup, but on your terms would be a grave, grave mistake from U.S. soccer. Because if you think that letting MLS put one foot out of this tournament is going to lead to, in a year or two, them putting two feet back in, I got something to tell you. It's not going to happen. Letting MLS take one step out is effectively saying to MLS, we'll see you later. The other part of this olive branch, Herc, and I would never, ever, ever pick up this olive branch and extend it as I am if I wasn't so desperate, Herc, because you know me, I love the Open Cup. I think it has an incredible value to American soccer and incredible potential for this sport to bring everybody together. I get it, MLS. I totally understand. If I was in business, I would want to spend the time that my business is open for business maximizing my profit as best I saw fit. But guess what? This is not just about business. For the people at MLS, it may be. But if you want to be part of a functioning soccer ecosystem in this country, guess what? You got to play along with others, whether those others are above you. And right now, the people above you in the United States, there's only one thing, and that's Liga Mekis. Liga Mekis is above you in ratings, so you want to go play against them and get their ratings. But guess what, Major League Soccer? There are people down the ladder as well. And those teams deserve to be able to compete in an Open Cup competition where the so-called First Division is entered. Because if you let the First Division walk, you kill the Open Cup, Herc. So we've shed some light on it, okay? But we've not burned this thing to the ground. MLS, the ball is still in your court. There are 48 hours left. Maybe, no, there's, there's probably what? Five days left in this week, because we got to have answers soon. MLS can still do the right thing, Herc. It's still within their power. We will see. We will see. I hope they do it, because this is a guy who took advantage of the Open Cup and parlayed it into a career, into an opportunity in first division, because of what he did in the Open Cup. And I'm sure there are many, many out there who had successful MLS careers or beyond that got their start in the Open Cup. And some who maybe didn't, and that was as good as it got, and it's an everlasting moment for him, and it would be a shame to see this tournament killed off. Absolutely, absolutely. So we await further word on the Open Cup, I'm told, maybe by the end of the week. If not, maybe next week we'll have a, a final update with who's going to participate uh, and what the format will be. Hopefully, it's everybody in Major League Soccer, not just a select few, as we're starting to hear. The MLS season does start, Herc, in uh, yeah, just about 48 hours, right? Wednesday night, Inter-Miami, taking on RSL. So it's time for us to get some predictions on the books. We got four categories here, as I count. No, five categories. Golden Boot, MVP, Wooden Spoon, Supporter Shield winner, and then your MLS Cup matchup, where you got to pick the uh, winner and the loser. So, Herc, let's start with the Golden Boot. Who you got? Uh, this one, believe it or not, was a little easy for me because there was really only a couple of choices that stuck out to me. It was, uh, it, but out of those picks, it's, hold on, producer, let me, let me, it's Denny Bowanga. It's Denny Bowanga who I'm going with. And the reason I'm going with Denny Bowanga, and I know that many think he wants out and he probably does want out and he wants to go back to Europe, but the only way to get there in the summer is to score goals. The only way to get there is to be productive. And this man is as productive as they come. Anywhere you want on the wing or up top as in center number nine, He's going to produce for you. Uh, and he doesn't have to worry about a summer national team tournament. He only has to worry about League's Cup. He only has to worry about what he does with this new LAFC offense, which I think is going to be running and gunning. He's a guy who I think is going to score you lots of goals. And at plus 900, mm. I will take those odds on Denny Bawanga repeating what he showed us last season in all competitions. This man can't be stopped, won't be stopped, and will continue to do it as long as he's wearing this jersey. So I will take Denny Bawanga. Does it change your opinion at all if Carlos Vela doesn't come back? Not a bit. I actually think it improves his uh, goal scoring rate, and I'll get into that in a bit. Okay. All right. So you're going with Bawanga, who you said you've got at plus 900. Not quite the payout. I'm going with uh, Luis Suarez, who I found for about plus 600. Still, I think, uh, a pretty good deal. I'm going with Suarez just looking at the record, right? I can look back at his goal return. 
what he did in Brazil at the age of 36 with supposedly a bad knee, although he told us when we were with him in Fort Lauderdale that that knee was all healed up. He had basically a goal every other game. And beyond that, Herc, he was productive in terms of assists, too. He had an assist every third game playing down in Brazil. If he did that in Brazil and he did it without Busquets and Messi and Jordi Alba, imagine what he could do, not just with them, but against MLS defending and MLS goalkeeping. Herc. So I'm going Luis Suarez at plus 600 to get the job done there for Inter-Miami as the golden boot. Another player I like, value, Jakumakis of Atlanta, plus 1,000. That was my you second. Love that yeah, that was my second pick right there. And Cucho. Mm -hmm. Those are my top three in picks. Uh, I I'll say this really quickly on Suarez. Mm -hmm. Remains to be seen. I hope he does. I hope he knocks it out the park in Major League Soccer. But if preseason is anything, if that can tell us anything about Inter-Miami, they will struggle unless they drastically change that midfield, unless they drastically get legs under, under them. Okay. So Herc's got Denis Bawang. I've got Luis Suarez for a golden boot. What about most valuable player, or as we like to say here in these United States, the Landon Donovan MVP award? Is that, Herc, who's is that what we it? like to say here in the United States? Uh, well, that's what they call it. This one's very easy, and I'm going to go again, Denny Bawanga. Denny Bawanga is going to be the golden boot. Well, your chances of being MVP are going to be... Well, very, very good, and I think LAFC is in store for a massive year, and Denny Boanga is going to be part of that. It's a different team. I will get into how different that team is right now, but at the heart, at the center, at the end of everything for LAFC has been, it wasn't Carlos Vela, it was Denny Boanga. will continue to be Denny Boanga. I think he's in store for a massive year. I think the one thing we saw out of Denny Boanga was his goal-scoring ability. I think what we're going to see next is his ability to associate himself with others in that final third. Mm. And when I like what I see in that final third from LAFC. Any worries about him wanting a move, how that might affect him? Not at all. The only way you're going to get a massive move, because John Thorrington has said if he leaves us for a massive number, mm -hmm. it's by putting up massive numbers himself. So that just proves the cause, or, or that just helps his cause. And if he ends up going, so be it. But if he stays, that's a candidate. All right, so Herc has made his golden boot pick, his MVP pick. Some might say that's not going out on a limb, but those same people would definitely criticize me for my MVP pick because I'm staying hugging the tree, okay? Lionel Messi for my 2024 <laughs> MLS MVP. Now, first things first. Let's just talk about what he's already done. As you told me many times, Herc, walking off a beach, he walked into the worst team in MLS last year, and help make them League's Cup champion. We know the impact he can have with no preseason, without a full season to work. Imagine what he's going to do now. I think he's going to have a massive season, despite the absences, which will surely come for his duties with Argentina. I'm thinking 20-plus goals, 20-plus assists. This guy's going to be the MVP. And even if the numbers aren't there, Herc, just remember, last year with only four games, they tried to make him MLS Newcomer of the Year. And he was the 2023 FIFA Player of the Year playing only at PSG and Inter-Miami. So if this guy's in the running, you almost got to bet on him, Herc. I'm not, I'm not going to let our show go down without anybody picking Lionel Messi to be the MVP, okay? You can go out on your limb, but I'm staying right here close to the base I'll of the I'll go out on my limb and say not one Inter-Miami player will have a statistical award. Wow. Maybe Drake Callender. Maybe wow. Drake Callender. Wow. Look at you and your anti-Messi and Inter-Miami ways. Okay. Inter-Miami last year was in the running for the wooden spoon. They did not, however, win it, Herc. Who do you think will win, I say in air quotes, the wooden spoon in 2024? Uh, I am going to go with checks notes. Toronto FC, come on down. And oh. the, the, uh, the, what can I say? Reports last season of a torn locker room for Toronto FC mm -hmm. where their two biggest players, Insigne and Bernadeschi, hated each other, wouldn't speak to each other, didn't want to be around each other. They're still there. Uh, this locker room is still there. They've not gotten any better in that offseason. Thank you, Bill Manning, the president of Toronto FC. As long as he's there, nothing's going to change. And they brought in John Herdman, who has a lot to do with the locker room that wasn't his, and he's trying to rebuild and will be very difficult to do. And he's coming off of his own, losing a locker room in Canada. So I don't think it's going to get any better. They won the wooden spoon last season. I think they're in store for another wooden spoon this season. They've done zero to improve this team mm. on or off the field. And morale, from what I can see, is at an all-time low. I think John Herdman has his work cut out for him. I mean, they've done nothing? What about John Herdman? I thought you were a big Herdman guy. <laughs> yeah, how many goals is he going to score? 
<laughs> I just get he can he play midfield and center back? I mean, listen, I like John Herdman, but John Herdman lost the Canadian national team at the World Cup. It was a team that, you know, I wanted to save this for, for our future parting shot segment, but mm -hmm. it's a team, a locker room that he lost, and we'll get there how he lost it, but he lost it, and that's a reality. And now he's going from losing a locker room to a locker room that's lost that he has no ownership of. And when we asked him if if, if that riff was, was fixed or if they bought into his idea, what did he answer to us? I hope so. Not, not entirely screaming confidence, if you ask me. I, I picked TFC. Herc backing Toronto FC for back-to-back -back wooden spoons. I'm going a different direction, but not a far. I'm going Minnesota United. Now, I know there's some news on the Minnesota United front. They have uh, apparently are now very close to naming a manager. His name's Eric Ramsey. He is an assistant coach at Manchester United. He's just 32 years old. That's the good news, Herc. The bad news is the season starts for them on Saturday. So we don't have a coach. Uh, and it's Saturday. They do have an interim manager. His name's Cameron Knowles. He has no first team experience. Oh, Eric Ramsey, the guy they're talking about bringing in? No first team experience. Three years ago, he was managing in the academy. And they're not that good to begin with. They were 11th last year uh, in the Western Conference. And they've had a very, very quiet off season. I know they brought in Timu Puki halfway through last year and the goal return for him was spectacular. But, I mean, other than maybe a little help in defense, I think they brought in a Costa Rican international. They've really, Herc, done very little. So, for me, Minnesota United starting the year with an interim manager is a pretty safe bet to be your wooden spoon. Yeah, I believe Eric Ramsey, the guy that's being reported, mm -hmm. he's a set-piece set coach. So, he's not only not any first-team experience, but the first-team experience he does have in terms of being part of a team is, is doing set-pieces. I guess it's better than being a throwing coach, but, hey. yeah. They say set pieces decide games, so uh, maybe they'll decide a few games up there for Minnesota. All right, let's go to the opposite end of the table from where the wooden spoon will be decided. The Supporter Shield, Herc, the most important trophy in all of uh, Cincinnati. Who you got winning it? <laughs> That's cold. That's a low blow. And, and New York, blow. New York Metro Stars. Uh, I'm going with LAFC. Yes, at plus 650, you can take LAFC as your Supporter Shield. Let me... Let me tell you, so everybody talks about Inter-Miami and what they've done, like how are they fitting all this into their roster, da 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 da, -da. LAFC lost Chiellini, Kellen Acosta, Cripo, uh, Chiqui Palacios, uh, Carlos Vela still up in the air, and yet they got stronger. <laughs> Eduardo Atuesta is back, excuse me, Eduardo Atuesta is back from Brazil. Uh, that guy was one of the best players in his position when he was in Major League Soccer, still very much in his prime. Omar Campos of Santos Laguna, the very highly coveted and high ceiling left back Mexican international, future Mexican international, is now at LAFC. Hugo Lloris, the World Cup winner, also World mm -hmm. Cup finalist uh, goalkeeper, he's there, at some leadership. Tomas Angel, son of legendary Juan Pablo Angel of the New York Red Bulls, he's going to be there in that number nine position as well. And then the crown jewel that is David Martinez. I get crazy Miguel Almiron vibes when I watch this kid play. He's 18 years old. Now, John Thorrington, Steve Chirondolo, they've assembled what I think is going to be a juggernaut in Major League Soccer who don't have to worry about playing the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which I think hindered them last year. And even without Carlos Vela, I think this team is better without Carlos Vela because they were able to run and gun. There's gonna be some crazy speed and transition to this game. John Thornton's done it again. Steve Chirondo's proven that he could breed winners, that he could take them to that promised land. I, I think LAFC has got a team to contend with this season and they've got some players that are very, very dangerous. Better without Carlos Vela, did I hear that right? For what they're going to play, yes. Wow. Yes. Plus they got the summer window, which we know they're very effective in. Remember, a couple years ago they bring in Bale and Chiellini. We know LA is a very attractive spot in the summer transfer window for maybe some guys looking to make moves. So their roster looks good now, to your point, Herc, but it might be even better when the, uh, when the season comes to an end later this year. All right, I'm going to go FC Cincinnati, Herc. And not just because it means the most to them, as we found out from our interview with Matt Miazga, they really do take the supporters' shield very seriously there in Cincinnati. But I think they bring back most of the key pieces to the team that really dominated the regular season last year. I mean, if you go back, the second closest team to them was six or seven points behind. And then after that, I think it was like a 12-point gap to the next best team 
So they were really, really good throughout the regular season. I know they've lost Brandon Vasquez, but if you look at the numbers from last year, he wasn't particularly dominant. His goals were about half of what they were the year before. His assists were about a quarter. And they add Miles Robinson, so the defense will be solid. They've added Corey Baird as well, who's coming off a career year. So I think if you look at this FC Cincinnati team, we think that they've got some unfinished business that might motivate them throughout the regular season this year, Herc. I think they're a pretty solid choice here as my supporter shield winners for 2024. What do you think? CONCACAF Champions Cup, they're in that. Um, I thought they were better with Brandon Vasquez. Leal remains to be seen, could make a summer move. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I don't know, Seb. It, it's a tough one. It's always more difficult repeating, especially something like the Supporters' Shield because to maintain that type of level of consistency, that type of level of excellence for two years running is always difficult. I couldn't tell you the last time there's been a back-to-back -back Supporter Shield champion, so I will take the field on that one. There you have it. All right, so uh, I'm saying FC Cincinnati for Supporter Shield. Remember, a couple years ago, I picked them for Wooden Spoon, so just trying to make up there. Herc says <laughs> LAFC. All right, last one here. Time to pick our MLS Cup matchup and winner. Yes. Who you got? I am going MLS matchup, uh, LAFC. I'm all in on LAFC this year, making that run. I think that's a very good team with less obstacles, and I've already named that team. But Orlando City is a team that I really, really like. Listen, Mauricio Pereira, he leaves. Nico Lodeiro comes in, all the experience in the world, could fit in nicely uh, for Oscar, Oscar Pareja and what he has going on. Duncan McGuire leaves. In comes Luis Muriel. Uh, so now, yeah, you can think, well, they've got a, a player who, who ends up leaving who could have helped them. Guess what? He's back now, so now you can use those two players together as sub-magnitude. It's still a very difficult team to play against in a very difficult venue with a very good head coach who knows this league in and out. Uh, they were your pick in the East last season in playoffs. I think they could do that again and be better in that playoff. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think they have enough when it comes to individual talent, collective talent to take over a team that's been there, done that, has been one of the constants in Major League Soccer this year. And... I told you, I really like what John Thornton has done with this team. I like the how he's assembled this roster. I like how strong they are going forward, how young, dynamic they can be. And you mentioned Carlos Vela. I think Carlos Vela's best years with LAFC are behind him, and so mm. did the numbers. There was a downward trend. I think this team is going to be faster without Carlos Vela in that lineup. If he stays, he can be a great addition. But I don't think he's a starter in that lineup today uh, with the players that they have. I really like what Steve Chirondolo and, and uh, John Thornton have at their disposal, and uh, I will take LAFC here. Just so I'm clear here, that's former LA Galaxy legend Hercules Gomez picking well, LAFC to win the Supporter Shield, win MLS Cup, have the MVP, and the Golden Boot. Yeah. yeah. I have that right? Yeah, yeah. But you should mm. say ESPN analyst Hercules Gomez. Mm. Loyalty is dead. That's right, Galaxy they don't. They, they don't pay your checks them. anymore, do they? They don't sign your checks. They haven't since 2006, baby. Okay. Uh, I'm going a little bit different here. I do think it'll be LAFC in the final. But I think <laughs> out of the East, they'll be facing a different team from the state of Florida. That's right. Inter-Miami. So I'm thinking Inter-Miami will not have the greatest regular season because some of these guys will be missing games. It won't be the priority. I said FC Cincinnati would win Supporter Shield, so they'll be the number one team in the East. But I think Inter-Miami, in a tournament, is the team I feel most comfortable betting on. Look, MLS is crazy, we never know who's gonna win. But if Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami are in the bracket, I'm gonna go with them. So I think they do get into the playoffs, and then I think from there, they're gonna win it all. They'll have to go on the road. I expect this game to be in Los Angeles, because LAFC will have a much better regular season. So maybe, Herc, an MLS Cup Final at SoFi Stadium. Could you imagine it? 70,000 plus. The biggest game in MLS. What a moment it would be. You're, you're going to make them change venues because you think Messi will be there 10 months from Honest now? Honest question. Honest question. If that's your MLS Cup matchup, are you not putting it in SoFi or at least the Rose Bowl? I think that would be disingenuous to the good people of Los Angeles. If it's the Galaxy, Dignity, or LAFC, mm -hmm. At BMO, you keep them where they are. You, you keep that going. Now, now, if it's the 4th of July or anything else, take it whatever you want. But a final, give the people their due. Yeah. Uh, also worth noting, the same thing I said about LAFC probably applies to Inter-Miami here. 
They're going to have a summer transfer window to do some work as well. We know how many people in the world want to play with Lionel Messi. They and better. we know... And we know that the league is willing to work with them. Because remember, we were told they're going to be compliant. Don't right. you worry. They're going to be compliant. So well, they can add some talent there in the summer. They just added uh, Redondo's kid for what, like $8 million. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're loading up right there uh, in Miami. Keep an eye out for them throughout 2024. Bundesliga right here on ESPN Plus throughout 2024. Our coverage on Sunday takes us to Dortmund, where we see Borussia Dortmund against Hoffenheim. 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Coverage begins Sunday here on ESPN+. Plus. Do not miss it! Also on the ESPN family of networks this coming week, the CONCACAF W Gold Cup final qualifiers going down over the weekend. Haiti and Puerto Rico was the first one. Jill Aguilera made a penalty for Puerto Rico. And then Sydney Martinez with a huge save here. So Puerto Rico beats Haiti, shocking upset. Hurricane Puerto Rico, they're in. Six-foot goalkeeper making the save right there. Elsewhere, uh, El Salvador taking on Guatemala. And this one was all El Salvador, who, by the way, if, if you thought those jerseys were fire in photos on TV, these are definitely dripping, right, Herc? Yeah, hat trick Brenda Serin right there. That's the sister of Darwin Serin, Liga Mekis player, Atlas. Nah, Darwin's her sister after oh, she gets oh, a hat trick my, my right fault, there. My fault. Uh, Guyana, Dominican Republic, the winner of this one, Herc, gets the United States in the opener. And it's going to be the DR thanks to this golazo. I mean, Keeper can't even move right there. She's screened in traffic. It's a good little finish right there. Just strikes her right through. Look at the band on that one. <laughs> Never getting that. All right, so those are the uh, last three tickets into the big dance, which begins tomorrow night out there in Los Angeles. U.S. Women's National Team taking on the Dominican Republic in the tournament opener for the American women. Coverage starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, Tuesday on ESPN Deportes. One more run it back here, Herc. Focus on our friends from up north. Jonathan David with a trick, Herc, for Lille uh, as they hammered Le Havre over the weekend. Okay, JD. Okay, JD. Every single top flight season he has played, double-digit goals. I don't want to hear anything. Jonathan David is the best nine in this region, has been and continues to be consistently up there. This man's already got over 100 goals between his time at Genk and now Leo, where he's the all-time leading goal scorer in their history for that club. That's Jonathan David for you. Leo, 3-0 winners on the day. They're up to fourth in the league for David. 11 goals in 22 games in league play, plus three goals in the Cup. Speaking of the Canadian men's national team, James Sharman, a reporter out of, Tamar out of Toronto, is reporting that Thierry Henry is apparently interested in the Canadian men's national team job. Herc, what do you think? I would rather Wilfred Nancy that we see right there than Thierry Henry, but Wilfred Nancy ain't going anywhere. Columbus ain't letting him leave. Thierry Henry would be a godsend for Canada. He would be an automatic jolt to the system, a shot in the arm that they desperately need. I can't remember the last time morale was at an all-time low with the Canadian men's national team. They historically have never promised anything. They historically have never been a team that you can count on. You think have to do something. They are now because of that pool. What's wrong with them? Well, part of that pool in Qatar had their problems. Uh, the locker room was divided. It was a, no longer a team. It was a collection of individuals, a collection of egos. That's not going to happen with Thierry Henry. He immediately comes into that program, and every single player there will respect him, will have to answer to him. And there is no coach, there is no sporting director, there is nobody on this planet in the soccer world that will not pick up a phone call from Thierry Henry. He can do mm -hmm. wonders for a program that might not have the resources but desperately needs a shock or a jolt to that morale. And who knows, maybe in Ontario, they can't surprise, but this isn't the worst idea in the world. I'm wondering about the timing of it, right? Like how it would work out, because obviously he's with the French Federation right now, working with their Olympic team. We know the Olympics are in Paris. So I'm kind of doubtful that that's something that he would want to step away from at this point. Maybe you let Canada hurt, kind of go through the summer, and maybe things don't go so well. Maybe there's a little bit more urgency, and maybe uh, after the Olympics uh, could be a good time to bring him in there. Although. If he wants a job before the World Cup, I'm sure he'd want to be a part of their potential Copa America campaign because we have to mention 
uh, that are not in Copa America yeah. just yet. But his resume doesn't scream like that this would be a success, right? You're, you're going really on name here. The time at Monaco, the time at Montreal, I, even the time I am with going Belgium. On respect. I'm going on the players. These players, we've seen what they can do. Success. Well, listen, on the men's side, John Herman didn't have a track record of success. That's, that's a reality. But let's go with what this pool is. What you've seen them at their peak when they ran through World Cup qualifying. If mm-hmm. you can get this pool of players motivated and respecting not only the coach but each other, which I think is a massive, massive thing going on right now that's not being talked about in the Canadian circles. That's how this team went from being such a unified front to crumbling before our very eyes in Qatar. And that locker room, I think, is, is, is divided. I think that locker room needs somebody like a Thierry Henry that commands respect. All right, I'm sure the Canadian Federation will figure it out, uh, no <laughs> doubt about that. That'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Herc, tell me about that uh, Captain America jacket you're no, wearing. No, 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 no. I, I, I believe this is a... I don't even know what this is. Don't ask me about it. Uh, Save it for July 4th, brother. Man. Yikes. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday. We're moving the show up a day this week because... The MLS season is kicking off. Inter-Miami against RSL on Wednesday night, so we'll be live after that game. Casey Keller's going to co-host. Hercules has a vacation. Uh, How about that? So we will be kicking off the MLS season in style Wednesday night with Casey Keller. He's Herc. I'm Seb. Thanks for watching. We'll see you, not in 72, in 48 hours back here on ESPN+. Plus.